But I think this morning it's been quite evident that uh, I'm standing before uh, prayer warriors of note um, because this morning I really sense the, the power of the Spirit in people and the way they've prayed for one another and the way you've, you've brought yourself to this place this morning. It's not by accident. I believe it's been through prayer. Through, I stand really very humbly to say I think I'm standing in great prayer warriors' presence uh, this morning. So I, I just I'm aware of that this morning. So my little uh, little bits of talk will be basically basing on the the basics of prayer and some of the the little areas in our lives that perhaps we have taken for granted. And perhaps there are some new challenges in our lives as we just allow the Holy Spirit to move within our lives and within our hearts uh, this morning. I kind of wanted to start this morning by um, describing to you the French mime artist. And you'll know the, the, the French mime artist who stands there and then he goes like this and you picture that he's now standing in a, a see-through box. And I think if I asked you, I mean, Ocker did it earlier this morning, he asked you all to stand, I'm not going to, but I'm just going to say, the little meter square cube that you stand in, the six foot or so wall around you, even the ceiling, as the mime artist would be, there we are cocooned in our little see-through boxes. Every one of us has got that box. So I'm hoping you can see my... Uh, box around me as I just touch the walls. The walls surround me on my back, on my head, and on my floor. It's quite scary, isn't it? That we've just sung a song where we want to be in the presence of the Lord, but that box is around us. <clears throat> that box is surrounding us. So my question is, are we in the presence of God? Because our box, that invisible box, which is us, where are we in the presence of God when we think of that, that box? So how do we, perhaps as a, uh, I come from an engineering background and I kind of will talk in engineering terms if you ask me to, but I'm not going to. But we, we kind of have a, a stock-taking, an inventory of our lives when we, we talk about prayer. And we perhaps look at ourselves in our little boxes and we say to ourselves, what is my prayer life like? Where am I in the prayer of today? Where was I in my prayers of yesterday? Where am I to be in the hope of the prayers that I'm offering before God into the future? You know, it's quite, it's quite a, a daunting challenge to, to really say that we're talking to God, the Creator. We're talking to God who spoke and all things were made. We're talking to a person who, who is so real that we don't see because of our box that we're in. We're trapped in our box. We're trapped. And perhaps that glass ceiling that's above us is stopping us from getting into the real presence of God. So to start with the prayer time that I thought was going to be the challenge for this morning, if Becky could just put Psalm 139, verse 23. It says these words, 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. My heart is pounding at the moment, and that's because for a little while we haven't actually preached, and standing in front of half the church is still nervous, and it's nerve-wracking. But you know, when we start talking about prayer, we so easily, we sit, we stand, we kneel in a worship service, and we praise the Lord. But do we really allow the Lord to search me, O God? and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The Apostle Paul, and Ockert spoke about it in the prayer time downstairs and also earlier this morning, he spoke about all the many, many prayers that Paul asked for when he was walking around and coming into different towns and cities and talking to different people. The Apostle Paul, he, he kind of formulated a lot of his prayers, the depth of his prayers that we have recorded in Scripture while he was in prison. Now, if you think of some of the words that Paul had, had recorded with, with, with Luke and so on when they were in prison and Barnabas and so on, it just shows you that he was doing that on the answer of prayer. Because if we look back into Scripture, we see that when Jesus was speaking there were a few scriptures, and I've, I have got them down here, but I'm not going to go through them all right now because the whole, script, the, the whole Bible is full of prayer. But there were some instances when Jesus was talking about praying for our enemies. Oh, enemies. Search me, O God. Know my heart. I have enemies. Paul had enemies. He was going around, he was going across various areas, and, and quite honestly, he was having Christians killed. Now, what about the Christians that he was killing? With Jesus saying these words, echoing in their hearts and in their, in their ears, pray for your enemies, pray for your enemies. How did Paul, in prison, Reflect on Jesus' words to pray for my enemies. The enemies of Paul were the Christians that he was slaughtering, he was killing and having killed. So who were the Christians praying for Paul when Jesus said, when, he, when, when Paul was going around and pulling people out of synagogues saying, you're a Christian, you're not good. Who were those Christians listening to Jesus saying, pray for my enemies? Those Christians were praying for Paul. The depth of Paul. How did he know, O oh God, and know my heart, the psalmist writes. Paul must have had some, some deep understanding of being prayed for. Because my enemies had put me into prison. My enemies I have slaughtered. and My enemies have prayed for me. When the psalmist said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What are my enemies that I'm not praying for? So search me, O God, as we share this morning. Paul wrote many prayers, and they have them recorded for us. And I'm just going to read through um, as a sort of an approach to show you the, the tender 
and to allow the, the tenderness of the Holy Spirit to minister to each and every one of us. Paul was probably in prison when he formulated this prayer. So it's Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Paul, to the Ephesians, writes, and again, we can understand how he must have felt knowing that people had prayed for him to set him free. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work in us, within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I'm going to go through four or five little questions for you, and I'm going to base some of the, those words of what I've just read from Ephesians. And just to challenge you, I know some of you are, as I've said, are prayer warriors. But allow the, the psalmist's words, search me, O God, and know my heart. I think these are going to be rhetorical questions. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and to give me an answer like a teacher would, but I'm just going to hope that some of the, the words from the Scriptures will resonate within you and say, what is your answer to these questions? So the first one this morning is, am I praying? You know, Paul's Christian life began praying and fasting three days when he was on the Damascus Road. And we read in Acts chapter 9, and we read the, the story of Paul and his, his uh, conversion on Damascus Road. And we can see that he began fasting and he began praying right at that moment. When you first became a Christian, what was your prayer like? Perhaps, like in many households that I've come to know over these many years, that perhaps when our children go to school and uh, they go to family and friends who are Christians, the children, when they're sitting around a table eating, will obviously they'll, they'll learn those quick little prayers of grace. Thank you, Lord, for the food. Thank you for the the fun and the laughter, amen. And those are the short little grace prayers. But I've come across that in Deuteronomy, there's a, there's a couple of instances where, as a family, when do we pray over our food at the end of the meal? If you read in Deuteronomy, if you want to know that, I'll find the scripture for you. But there is a scripture, because I haven't got it in my head, um, there is a scripture that says, do we pray after the meal? But we say, but I pray all day long. But I'm going to challenge you this morning. 1 Thess Thessalonians 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. 
I pray all day long is my reply. Am I praying? Pray without ceasing. In your little invisible box, search me, O God. Am I really praying without ceasing? And in Mark 14, verses 37 to 38, Jesus went to pray. What a model we have in Jesus in, when it comes to prayer. Then he, Jesus, returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. So based on Jesus went to pray, how am I praying this morning in my little invisible box? My second question to you this morning is, why am I praying? Why am I praying? Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. Long, long prayers. Why are we praying? For Paul, the reason he prayed was continually to build the church. Is our prayer life building the church? Will it strengthen? Will it increase your, your knowledge of the, of the word? Will it increase the building of the body, the church? Paul often spoke in terms of buildings. He spoke of soldiers and army. He spoke of the body and the fingers and the toes and the, the parts of the body and how it would all be strengthened if we pray. And he spoke of the family, the family ties that we have together. And he prayed continually to build the church, to build so that every person would know the Lord Jesus Christ. So my question is, why am I praying? Is that your prayer? To strengthen the body, strengthen the family this morning? Our third question, how am I praying? Now, for most of us who kind of have read through a lot of the scriptures, we know if we read and accept Jesus as our Savior and our personal Savior, we can read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, that we are sitting with Christ in the heavenlies, raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So is our prayer knowledge, knowledgeable enough to know that we are sitting in those heavenly places when we pray? Perhaps in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, there is that submission to the Lord, kneeling before the Father in prayer. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we in submission when we are praying? Or what's our day-to-day -day walk with Jesus life like? Are we living a life worth, worth, worth his dying on the cross? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I think it is. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. 
Am I praying, knowing that I am walking with the Lord, worthy in my life, no matter where I am, my goings, my comings, my sitting down, my standing up, my walking, am I doing it to the glory? Does my prayer revolve that? Or if we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's verse 11, we're standing in Christ against the enemy. No? Okay. Okay. Standing in Christ against the army, the enemy. Have we got the full armor of God on us as we fight off the, the fiery darts of the enemy? Did I not give you that one, Becky? Sorry. Ephesians chapter 6. No? Okay. Don't worry. But I think you got the picture. Are we standing in our prayer with the full armor of God on? Are we standing there? protecting ourselves, protecting our families in prayer. How am I praying? And then lastly, sorry, last but one, for what am I praying? Am I praying for spirit, spiritual strength? You know, our bodies need food, whether it's a, a veggie diet or it's a veg, vegetarian, lovely, yeah, whatever, the meat, the meat, the meat and the the voice, I mean, last night, Barbara and I had some lovely kudu, so I'm a meat eater. So I, my body is strengthened, strengthened by, by food. But what of our spiritual strength? What about our, our body strength? Thanks, Becky. The spiritual strength in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take okay that's the whole that's the whole lot eh? Ephesians okay um, we need spiritual depth deepen our understanding of the word a spiritual perspective to see Jesus what Jesus sees as we walk around and as we we look to see people around us what does Jesus see does he see these little boxes do we see these little boxes? Or do we see what Jesus sees, our hearts? Does he really permeate into our prayer? And the fullness, the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do we share that in our prayers? Do we, do we pray that into our lives, into our, our friends and our families' lives as we pray for them? So the bottom line is, am I willing to be a part of the answer? And if we go back to Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 to 21, we will read these words. Don't put it up, Becky. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is, in, is at work within us. To him be glory in the, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Are we willing, through prayer, to be part of the answer, to be part of what Jesus has called us to do, and to develop a prayer life over the next few, few weeks so that it lasts us a lifetime of prayer? Are we developing our prayer life to find the heart of the Father? Are we coming into that presence, search me, O oh God, to know the heart of God? Martin Luther, the, the, the well-known 
um, antagonist for going away from the Catholic Church and so on and coming into Protestant, Protestant Pro, yeah, being a Protestant. The Martin Luther wrote a prayer, and, and some of the, these old prayers are so meaningful today. And he wrote this prayer. Prayer is the most important thing in my life. If I should neglect prayer for one single day, I should lose a great deal of the fire of faith. Now, how much have you lost in your daily walk when your prayers have not been beyond your box that you're in? I should have lost a great deal of the fire of faith, Martin Martin Luther says. I often spend my devotional time in the mornings and from sort of like one of my areas in in where we live, we can look up to these mountains, which are this way. And really, when when you look up to the mountains and I lift my eyes and we'll read the The Psalm 121, it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And like these mountains that surround us here in George, God is ever-present, offering us strength, renewal. He's there for us. But it's easy to lose sight, lose sight of Him when we are consumed, consumed with our daily routine. We are called daily to lift our eyes vertically to the hills. This is where our help comes from. Does your prayer life surround that kind of impression of looking to the hills, looking to where God is? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You know, it's... It, it, it blows my little feeble little brain as for as long as I've been alive to realize that through prayer, I'm talking to the Creator. I'm talking to Jesus through the Holy Spirit to the Father. But what touches the Father's heart? Paul, Paul had been, um, from his Damascus experience, Paul in Philippians 3.10, he had been sort of like some 30 years after his conversion experience, he still records these words, I want to know Christ. And yet he he was walked there. He was there in in that Damascus road, one-to-one with Jesus. But in still 30 years later, he records these words in Philippians, I want to know Christ. You'd think that after 30 years of all that Paul had lived through and worked through and so on, that he had come to almost every point of knowing Christ. But there was still that emptiness. I want to know more. Do you want to know more? I hope you do. Because we're going to develop this, this, this loving expression of prayer that we have with God the Father, so that we also have it horizontally with each other. That as we develop our prayer life, we develop it in such a way that we do want to bring the building of the faith into each one of us. Whether it's leading from the front or you sitting in, in the communities and sharing in the communities where very often our hearts are, are, are really pulled in different directions. But we can still pray. But we get caught up in this day-to-day area of our lives and sometimes we, be, we kind of have this... Uh, this feeling that it's a custom. 
It's a tradition. We walk through the door. We come. We sit. I mean, uh, saying it in a loving way, but you guys almost sit in the same direction, same seat, week by week. What a tradition. What a custom. Okay? So you, you have these inbred little things. That's it. Mivra. You have, now, now I'm lost. I, I don't know where Chad is. Um, but, you know, but you know what I'm saying. Sometimes our prayer life is like that. We have this, we'll say this little phrase, or we'll say that little phrase, or we'll come to community and we'll pray, oh, well, last week you had this problem. Is your foot okay? Is your knee okay? Whatever. And we don't get beyond that. So where is our prayer life really? Prayer is not logical. It's a mysterious moral working out of the Holy Spirit. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, work in our prayer time? Yes, we, we read the Psalms and we, we get these wonderful um, aspirations, if you like, in prayer. But how are we transmitting it to each other? through the revelation of prayer. When I was kind of, um, and I still remember when I was working, by the way, um, I, I often had these rather complex programming uh, concepts that as a sort of like a um, coding or issues of faulty data, whatever it was, I had to unpick it to find out um, where the person had made a mistake or um, the program was incorrectly written or whatever it was. So it was quite daunting. And sometimes I'd be exhausted by the end of the day and sometimes by 8, 9 o'clock at night being so exhausted, I could not find a solution. So before I did eventually through exhaustion put my head on the pillow and go to sleep, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, after I'd prayed about it before I went to sleep, 2, 3 o'clock in, in the morning, pop, that's the solution. That's where the guy made a mistake, or that's where something, and that's the key to the answer. Now, if I hadn't have prayed, I'd have perhaps gone to work the next day thinking, what on earth is going on here? But I had so many times with these complex situations that, yeah, I got that answer through prayer. And I'm sad to say it was two, three o'clock in the morning, but it was right. Prayer is the means God has ordained to glorify himself through, through our prayers, sharing his love with others and his, uh, his children. Prayer is, he, he accomplishes his purposes through prayer and the, the lives of us and everyone because of prayer. You know, is our prayer life worshipping and glorifying God? Is it a prayer time of communion, loving God? Not just singularly petitioning God for this or for that, our needs. But are we petitioning, asking God for answers? Do we have that intercessionary prayer, asking for what others may need? One of the old little mantras that we used to, we used to have is, my prime concern is your well-being. And I think sometimes we lose track of that when we get busy and caught up in our day-to-day -day activities. But here in this church, your well-being is my prime concern. I do pray. I do raise you up before the Lord. So where are we doing that with each other? 
prayer comes through healing. And I'm one of the ones who have been given a healing touch of the Lord on two or three occasions. So I know the power of healing through prayer. And how prayer brings up into a, a certain point in our lives a comfort that we can't explain. I know we can talk about the peace of God, but it's a comfort. It's a, it's a direction of being, yeah, cocooned like in the, the wings of the, of, the, of the hen where the little chicks are keeping warm. There is that comfort. But sometimes our prayer gives direction. Sometimes our prayer like we're saying now, is the direction of where is our prayer life going? Where is the church's prayer life going? Where are we meeting other people's needs? I'd just like, to, Becky, if you don't mind, just put Ephesians chapter 3, um, just verses 17 and 18. Can you do that for me? I just want to reinforce something about us being in this little invisible box. You know, sometimes we, we kind of trap ourselves in our prayer life. And verse 17 says these words, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. In preparing for today, I kind of was reading an article in a um, sort of like a on my phone regarding um, looking at animal behaviour. And although what I'm going to share is something that I don't like, but it, it proves the point of what I'm going to say about animal behaviour. In a particular zoo, they had a area for displaying a polar bear, and it's. The way it goes, it's the polar bear, so that was his enclosure. But the, the director of the zoo decided they wanted a much bigger, wider, and bigger area for the polar bear to be seen in, in a more natural kind of environment. So they sedated the polar bear, and they positioned around the bear, within about three meters or so, a metal cage while they reconstructed the whole area, which I thought was extremely cruel and all the rest of it, but it proves the point of what I'm trying to make. Over the, the weeks, probably led into a month and a half or so, the bear, when it sort of woke up from its sedation, it obviously could see the bars that had now been placed around it. It would stand up and walk. Turn round and it would walk wherever the bar, which I thought was very cruel. And then eventually they resedated the bear and they removed the metal bars, and it had a massive area now to roam around in. It had a lovely little pool, crystal clear, cold pool. It had something to play with, like a tire and something else. And it could almost walk three, four. Um, minutes in any one direction. It was a massive area that it was given. But when it came out of that sedation and the bars had been removed, the bear simply went.
Now you can well imagine that zoo director was devastated because he had opened up this whole area for the, bar, the, the animal to roam around in, but it's conditioned itself to only do two or three paces, turn around two or three paces. Eventually, when it, with the, the trainers and so on, they showed it the whole area and the pool, and it was great. The reason why I'm using this as a story is like our mind box. Our Christian walk, very often in our prayer time, is just like that. We pray, we pray, we pray, we pray. We don't go any beyond that. We don't go beyond what prayer is really like. The bear was unable to receive its freedom. We sometimes, because of our non-praying, we don't go into the freedom of the Holy Spirit. We don't see what we are meant to see when we pray. We still go one, two, and we go back again. So in challenging our prayer time, where are we going with our prayer? I believe the key is to find the heart of God. We've asked him to come into our little magical box, and we've asked him to search me and know my heart but we still have him trapped within us. God wants us to know his heart. And there's a wonderful part of the, the song of, of, of songs that I want us to look at this morning, where Jesus has, has wiped the record of our sin. He has given us freedom in him. He has given us into a, a special place in, in him. And God has shown us this key of being in Christ Jesus, how he wants to be in prayer. He wants us to be so close to him. And it's written as the bride. We are the bride, and he speaks as the bridegroom in the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. And he says these words to us. God says these words as the bridegroom, bridegroom to his bride. Oh, my dove, hear in the clefts, in the rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the steep pathway. Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet, your face is lovely. You know that touching of the God's heart is when he, he wants to be in that secret place. He wants to be in the, as, as some of the um, uh, translations call it, the, the um, the secret place of the stairs, where we are in that prayer time. We're getting closer and closer to God. We are sheltered in that secret place. We are sheltered in his heart. He wants to see us, your face. He wants to come close to us in prayer. Let me hear your voice. That's our prayer. That's that prayer time we have with the Father, coming into his heart. I lift my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We're in the mountains. We're in that crevice, getting closer and closer in prayer to the Father's heart. And he says to us, I want to see your face. I want to hear your voice. For your voice is sweet. Our prayers are sweet in God's presence. That touches his heart. That gets closer and closer to God's heart. 
Do we pray to our Father who is in that secret place? Do we show him our true face? Do we show and allow him to hear our voice? That sweet voice that he wants and longs for? When we come into that place, how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where in our prayer time we are so, so much in the heart, Father's heart? Now, Jesus gives us an example. We need to know the Father so intimately with worship and adoration and to be in that secret place. But we can only be there in the example of Jesus. After um, Jesus was baptized by John, John the Baptist, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And only after fasting for 40 days, and for us perhaps fasting to get to know, to be hungry, to be hungry for the knowledge of being in that Father's heart, perhaps we need to learn how to fast. Perhaps just to get to that point of maybe one or two meals you miss in a day. Or perhaps two or three days of fasting. Seeking the Father's heart. We need to be in that place as prayer warriors. Fasting, becoming hungry. When our bodies are hungry, we crave the food. But are we filling that craving with the Holy Spirit? Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to come into our into, into each one of us to break down that box. Like that polar bear, are we allowing the, the cage to be removed so we move into the freedom that God has for us? For that's moving in that freedom, we find the Father's heart. Um, I think most of you know that my two daughters can almost, at a moment's phone call, I'll be there by their side. Barbara has taught them well. This is one of those things she has taught daughters and probably sons as well to touch the father's heart is, hi, dad, I need some help. Do we do that in prayer to God the Father? I am there in a moment's notice to our family and the same likewise to our church family. If you need help, I am there whenever I can. But are we... Are we Tapping into the Father's heart. When the Father says, I love you, my child. You know, Jesus declares in John chapter 4, verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And, you know, touching the Father's heart is something that's very special. And in the Old Testament, there's five men who are named that um, knew how to move God's heart. And he, he records it for us in, in a couple of portions of Scripture. They found favor of God's heart. And they knew how to access God, the Father God's heart and were able to plead for the country, plead for their nation, plead for their families. And in 
just to show you in Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14, even if these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord. And in Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1, we read, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not be favorable towards this people. Yet he knew that these five men, when they got close to him, when they got close to that father's heart, he would have to cave in and change his mind. And we see this because if we look through the scriptures, we look at Noah. Noah was found with a but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless, he talked with God. And Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind gaining understanding and to be humble before your God, your words, Daniel, were heard, and I have come in response to them. And Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. How close is that from God the Creator? And in Samuel, the Lord came and stood there calling at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. How close to the Father's heart were these five men. So do we, through our power of prayer, know the Father's heart? How do we as a church find God's heart and find his direction through prayer? In this next season of growth, as we, we go through the, the, the uh, messages on prayer, how close are we going to get to knowing the Father's heart for George, just Jen, and for each one of our lives? Are we hungry? Are we fasting, open to the Spirit to be filled? Very often, we have these areas in our lives of shame and guilt and pride. And these are the, the areas in our lives that we kind of hold back on. And there are many scriptures that give to us a, a sense of an awareness of how we break free. And one of the scriptures that I... Um, I had come through was called, um, uh, it's in, well, there's two or three scriptures, but it talks about the wineskin. And I'm sure you all have read or heard of the story of the wineskin where the, Jesus talks about him um, as part of the, his uh, talk to the disciples. Sorry, I'm just going to find it. When he was talking to the, the disciples, he'd gone, he, here we are, once again, um, Jesus went and he came to a large crowd and he, he said, I'm going to have a meal with Levi. So he went and eats with sinners and with Levi and, and the other tax collectors and other sinners. And the Pharisees and the disciples of John were questioning him, why aren't your disciples fasting? But he replied, they don't need to fast because the bridegroom is there. I am with them. They don't need to fast while the bridegroom is there. But there is a time, Jesus said, when I will go to my Father. That's when 
you will need to fast. So Jesus is telling us about fasting. It's important that we get hungry for him. We get hungry for that infilling of the Holy Spirit. So what are you prepared to start fasting over? And if you all know me, yes, food is going to be one of the most difficult things for me to fast with. Because I love food. I will only accept if we do fasting, if we go down to the level of water, fruit juice and fruit, and fruit maybe some veggies, that, all great. But don't ask me to forsake my meat and so on. Uh, that's going to be, fasting is going to be difficult. But if I want to know the Father's heart, I'm going to make that fast. I'm going to start by in challenging every one of you before a community over in the next couple of weeks, perhaps last for a day. And let's see how the Holy Spirit fills that emptiness. Let's see how the, the Holy Spirit fills the church's emptiness as we fast and as we pray. For a time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day, Jesus said, they will fast. It's not a choice. It's something that we have to do. We have to be hungry to be filled. So we are called to fast and to pray. To be more hungry. I'm hoping that through our deep, deepening of our prayer life, we're going to sense the, the way the bridegroom, Jesus, speaks in Solomon. Let's just pray over it as we see it on the board again, uh, Becky. Uh, Song of Solomon 2.14 Oh my dove, here in the clefts in the rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Let's just pray. Gracious Father, as we read the words that Jesus says, that he wants to hear our voice. He wants to hear our sweet voice. He wants to see our lovely face. I pray, Lord Jesus, that as we respond to you in prayer, that we come into that place of closeness, that we will be found touching the Father's heart. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you will lead us by your Holy Spirit to give to us that, that position in you, that position where you hear our prayers, Lord, that it's not something that's concoomed in a, in a box around us, that it's like bouncing off the ceiling. But it is prayer led by your Holy Spirit in such a way that we know the Father's heart. We pray, Lord Jesus, that as you search our hearts right now, Lord, as we read early in the, in the message, Lord, that you search our hearts. I pray, Lord Jesus, that even right now that you're revealing new truths of, of how to pray, new truths of why are we praying, new truths of really becoming prayer warriors for you. So I pray, Lord, this morning, Lord, that you will indeed just touch our hearts in such a way 
that we would be more hungry for you. Not just in, in fasting with food or perhaps fasting, Lord, just from social media or, or whatever it may be that we can cl come closer to you, Lord Jesus, where you can hear our voice and that you can take our, our prayers to the throne room. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we do indeed touch the Father's heart with our prayers. That in him being glorified, that our prayers will be seen as evidence of the signs and wonders of your Spirit. Come touch our hearts, Lord. Make us to be more like you, Lord, where you, you have called us to fast and to pray. Deepen our prayer life, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus.